That's as far as I'm going with that. I just I wanted to do kind of a dark intro for uh, for for black podcasters gathered in their messes. Woo! Oh Lord, yeah. Um, all right now. That's what I should have done. That's how I should have started it. Just 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 pretend that that's how I started it, and it was amazing. Um, yes, or this you, is. Or you could oh, or you could do like an Aussie. That was great. It's almost like a, a combination of Ozzy and and Sylvester Stallone that you just did. I love I love the the interview where they're talking to Ozzy, and it's like it's a really short clip, and it's like six seconds long. And she says, she says to him, "So, Ozzy, are you sober now?" He's like, "Yeah, well, well, what, 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 and it just cuts out. He actually, he just mumbled a bunch of shit." Oh man! Uh, so, but yes, hello, you, Ozzy. H- hello, everyone. Obviously, we're talking about Ozzy because we're going to be uh, uh, ranking the studio albums of Black Sabbath. Um, introductions. I am Stephen, aka Old Head. With me, as always, is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. What's on? Yeah, that's, a, that's like a that's that's my native tongue. That's that's Cornish <laughs> slang right there. Oh, really? <laughs> I want you, yeah. What's on? Is it? Does that yeah. is is that literally saying what's on? But you're but you're yeah. It's like what's up. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 literally uh, uh, Southwest. Sup, <laughs> really? That's yeah. awesome. I want to learn all, all the slang that you can teach me, and I'll start using it around here, which people will be really confused. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, for those of you who are new, we're a podcast where we rank rock and metal and other music-related things like band discographies, like we're doing today with Black Sabbath's discography. But obviously, um, for those of you who know a lot about Black Sabbath, you realize that they do have a lot of albums. They have 19 studio albums, and we... So we we've stuck to just the ones that include the name Black Sabbath. So um, that, that there there are other things, and um, yeah, even even compilations that you know we'll talk about that could that are very important. But we're sticking to the studio albums of original material, um, and so this episode is going to be uh, number nineteen down to number 13, our bottom seven. So this is going to be a three-parter, folks. So if you're a Black Sabbath fan, which I would assume that you are, I mean, why would you not be? Um, you're you're in for a treat. We're going to be uh, digging into the Black Sabbath discography, all, everything, every album they put out. Um, as we normally do, we start by, by talking about where we came in listening to Black Sabbath. And for me, it was the early 90s, and the only reason I started listening to Black Sabbath was because they were a name that just you saw all the time. Bands would always reference Black Sabbath. But I didn't, if I had heard Black Sabbath, I didn't know that it was them. Um, but I just remember being at the record store, um, you know, probably in 1990, I think. And um, I bought the CD compilation, uh, We Sold Our Soul for Rock and Roll, and 
that was my introduction to Black Sabbath, and I've been a fan ever since then. Because how could you not? I mean, that fucking comp is chock full of of, of classic shit. It, it left off some amazing songs. Like, it was a few years later, I remember, like, there's, like, stuff from, from uh, you know, like, Into the Void. Into the Void is not on that compilation. And I'm like, what? What, yeah. what is wrong <laughs> with you? But anyway. For sure. Um, but yeah, so that was my intro was getting that compilation in the early nineties. Um, how about you, sir? I think for me, uh, black Sabbath, it was kind of a result of me listening to some bands and then kind of asking, um, who did it first. So I either asked my uncle or Googled it. I don't remember specifics. I think it was a healthy mixture of both, but like when I, you know, Googled it or something. It came up first, first quote unquote metal album. Black Sabbath did it first. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to be into this, I should have, you know, a knowledge and respect for how it came to be. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I kind of set myself apart from my peers because, like, there's metalheads these days that are like, fucking boomer music we don't like, <laughs> we don't like fucking pentatonic scales. We just chug and sweep all day because. Fuck songs. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. Um yeah, I just it's it's just one of those natural things where you just see Black Sabbath everywhere and eventually Yeah, yeah if it, you if you get into heavy music, eventually you're gonna find your way to Black Sabbath because it's just, I mean, you just their name is just always used and yeah. Um, I think when I was young, I didn't really understand that what they did actually kind of jump started, you know, a genre or a subgenre. Um, but yeah. I eventually found out, like I like my um, a couple years later, um, Ozzy released a VHS called "Don't Blame Me," which is like one of my favorite VHSs ever. Um, because it's like it's got it's basically just a little documentary about Ozzy Osbourne up until No More Tears, and yeah. that's when I really got a little bit of the history of Black Sabbath, and some of my favorite Ozzy moments ever are on that <laughs> fucking thing. But we're not doing Ozzy's solo stuff. We'll get there eventually. Um, yeah. we, I figured that if we were going to tackle Ozzy, we got to tackle the the band that you know brought him into the limelight first. So. Anyway, without further ado, I guess let's just uh, hop right in to the dead last album on our list, our number 19 Black Sabbath album. And as usual, I let Mr. Edward J. Sparks, Esquire, um, go first. Cool. So I would go as far as to say even my bottom pick has good songs on it. Okay. But my bottom couple of picks have a consistency problem and so i'm gonna i'm gonna dive in my number 19 is never say die oh okay so it opens up never say die i fucking love this song see my bottom my bottom pick has an absolute banger on it right out of the gate it's It's kind of it's kind of a bait and switch though on this album because that song is it really makes you feel like this album is going to rule and it then it yeah. kind of doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like it's it's a great fun track. It's way more upbeat hard rock than it is the doomy stuff. Yeah, but which I have no problem with that. 
Yeah, like that's the thing. If they want to do something a little bit more up tempo, that's that's awesome. They still do a damn fine job. And you know, this kind of signals how they would open records for the foreseeable future because they, you know, following this song, they opened up each album with a quite up tempo one, like the two they did with Ozzy afterwards and um trashed off of Born Again as well is a very upbeat you, you, one. You, so, mean, you meant Dio, but yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Wait, what did I say? You, you said Ozzy, and I was like, no, you meant oh. Dio. Yeah, see, there's there's too many fucking singers that have been in this band. So it's <laughs> there's gonna, been a few. Yeah, so um, with, without yeah, without further ado, I'm going to get off of uh, this, this track and go to Johnny Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would have laughed so hard if they did a, a Dynasty, and it just turned into a disco funk song after those synths. Yeah. Because, like... There is something distinctly late 70s about the way this song opens. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have liked that, actually. Yeah, which which is funny because Junior's Eyes like has some groovy, funky bass on it. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing I have with Johnny Blade and Junior's Eyes is that they don't need to be six-minute, almost seven-minute songs. Yeah. Like, I, f- I feel like there are, there's a lot of meandering on the, on the songs that aren't quite as strong on here. Um, Hard Road has a cool chorus. Um, Shockwave. Now, this one is the first thing so far that sounds fully reminiscent of previous Sabbath albums. Yeah. And, you know, the sleazy riff towards the end is ace. So far, you know, this is the second track that's blown me away. Mm-hmm. Um, Air Dance has this weird, dreamy jazz feel to it. And, I've got to give them props for creativity, even if this album feels disjointed. Like, it certainly doesn't play it safe. Um, Over to You is a twinkly classic rock track. Breakout is this cool, jazzed-out interlude. Bre- Breakout is a song that every single time I hear that song, I go, I want to make a movie just so I can put that song in it when people yeah. are like walking in slow motion or something and it's all... Yeah. Like that just seems like a badass Tarantino moment kind of song. Like I honestly, yeah. like that might be my favorite one on the album and there's no fucking vocals in it. I just like the vibe <laughs> of it so much. Which is funny because like, um, you know, that there's no more Aussie vocals on here, but Swing in the Chain, a groovy track fronted by Bill Ward. Yeah. Uh, you know, that this is one of three tracks on here that I think nailed it. I think um, Never Say Die, Shockwave. I, I kind of include Breakout and Swing in the Chain as the same song because one leads yeah. directly into the next. So I would say, you know at least half of this album is definitely worth your time if you like 70s hard rock but you're not really going to find any doomy genuinely sabbath black sabbath moments on here because it it just doesn't have that vibe yeah um it's important to point out i guess for those who are listening that aren't like big old sabbath fans this is the last album that featured ozzy osbourne before he exited or was fired from the band in the late 70s. Yeah. Um, and obviously he came back around with the band much later on, but this was this was his last album with the band. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's it's got some strong material on it, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't stack up to a lot of their 70s stuff that came prior. Yeah. So yeah. uh yeah, that's why it sits at 
my number 19 spot. Awesome. It's in, on, and I'm not, I don't have the same album as you, but I like that you did this because you're, we're, we're, we're kind of relating in a, in a certain way. Um, my la- my number 19, I, I think when I, even before I started my list, I just wrote 19 and I wrote this, the name of this album down because I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cause this is <laughs> to me, this is the worst thing they made and it's depressing that it's so bad. Uh, my number 19 is the album 13 from wow. 2013. This is a phoned in rehash b- bullshit album that has this <laughs> awful brick walled production from Rick Rubin where everything's clipping all the fucking time. And I'm not going to hold back on this. I think this, th- th- the reason why I'm so mad about this album is that th- this is it. This is the the ending of the Sabbath story is this desperate attempt to to I don't know what I don't know what the motivation was behind this album because they they there clearly weren't songs because if you listen to the end of the <laughs> beginning the end of the beginning is just the song Black Sabbath with different notes and words yeah <laughs> and it's fucking obvious especially if you're a huge Sabbath fan just like what are they doing they just took a template and said, fill this template with something different. Okay, but don't yeah. change the template at all. Keep it exactly as it is. And it's nowhere near as good as Black Sabbath, obviously. And then even like the song Loner, it's like NIB. And then you got Zeitgeist, which is like Planet Caravan. It's just like, it's like they tried to make a greatest hits album with new songs. And like, well, we got to make <laughs> them sound just like the other ones. And so it's just the most uninspired Black Sabbath album um, even, I mean, even compared to what you're talking about with, with never say die, at least there was like still some sort of energy there and it was something different. Like you can hear a song off of never say die and you don't go, well, this sounds like something else they did. Not really. Yeah. It's, it's them doing something different. This is like, I don't know if this was a money grab maybe cause they're old dudes and they, you know, they gotta, they have a lifestyle to keep up. I don't know. I don't want to talk shit about them because you know, I don't know them, but it's just really poorly done. And um and I don't like the pitch correction used on Oz. I, I wrote down Ozo tuned on my on my <laughs> notes. Cause I'm just like, it's so obvious that there's auto-tuning on his vocals. But I mean, I know he's an older guy now and he doesn't it's hard to sing shit when you're 70. I absolutely understand that. But when you're working with somebody like Rick Rubin, who has engineers that know what they're doing. I mean, you could say that about several Rick Rubin productions. You could talk about Death Magnetic or talk about, um, like, the, some Slayer stuff he did or, or System of a Down. Like, there's so many albums where I go, who approved of this fucking mix? <laughs> and um, anyway, so I just feel like there was very little effort put into this. I think that they said, you know, let's write some songs. Well, here, I, we, got, we got these riffs. Let's make a song out of it. Okay, how many songs we got? We got, like... 12, 13 songs. You know, I don't remember how many there was because there's like the original album length and then there's the extra songs they tacked on. And it just feels like that was it. They're like, oh, good enough. Well, you know, who, who are we going to get to play drums? Because Bill Ward's not going to do it. And then, you know, it's like, and then the, the album just was put together and it, I just really, it doesn't seem very well thought out at all. Um, and it's, it's interesting because like so many bands these days especially rip off black sabbath 
to where you go, yeah. this just sounds like Black Sabbath. So when Black Sabbath <laughs> rips off Black Sabbath, does that just completely erase the, is it null and void at that point? Is it, does the album even exist anymore? It's like a funhouse mirror <laughs> Sabbath looking at Sabbath and there's all these Sabbaths and it's like, they all look kind of the same. I don't fucking know. Um, I do have to say though, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a, I'll give a little shout out to the song Damaged Soul. I kind of like that one, but yeah. Overall, this is a depressing swan song for a legendary, one of the most important bands in music. You could say the most important band in metal, and I don't know what they why they did this. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> um, I, I've I've only listened to this album all the way through three or four times. Um, a few times when it came out, because at the time, like I was I was excited about it. And so I was, I tried to get myself to be really excited about it and go, yeah, it sounds like other shit, but this is Sabbath. And this is, you know, it's a, it's a monumental occasion that these dudes got back together and did this album. So give it, give it some, some respect. But at the end of the day, especially now that there's been this amount of time since this album came out, what's that set fucking seven, eight years ago now? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just as 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 the years go on it's like the the makeup is just kind of running off of it now and it's just like <laughs> oh you're just left with generic sabbath played by sabbath and um i don't like it <laughs> so uh so before i piss any i know there's probably people that think this album's great and um to each your own um but uh that's all i got to say about it my number 19 is the album 13 I would I would say yeah like I agree I don't dislike it as much as as you do but yeah. I I think it, it it the only real memorable song on there for me is is um God is dead and Damaged Soul has some groovy riffing going on yeah. I'll I'll get to that album in a minute but above all I think the the disappointing thing is that it's so fan servicey it's like just bringing it full circle and i get that but who are the I'm, but, but i but i'm a fan like why they're yeah. not servicing me with this they're pissing I mean, me off I with mean this in, <laughs> yeah i i mean is in like the the 70s purists that that tuned out when dio showed up yeah, yeah. i guess i guess that's true but i, I mean I, and, and but but you but you are right because like we we all often talk about how it seems like so many metal fans just want the same shit over and over again and so this is literally just saying, well, here's what metalheads want. They want they literally want the same thing again. So here you go. <laughs> so it's your fault, metal fans. You reap what you sow, fuckers. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, but it's this that this will honestly be probably the that that's the most ranting you'll hear negatively for, for any Sabbath <laughs> album. Even a couple of the ones coming up where I don't like things about them. There's still from from this point on. There's good qualities to me in every every album that they put out. Right on, cool. So my um, number eighteen mm-hmm. is the uh, the older brother of Never Say Die, Technical Ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, this one has a very similar consistency problem that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, Backstreet Kids is a fun hard rock song. It sits somewhere between Sabbath and Deep Purple. Like, so it's not in the full-on doom zone. It's got a little bit more of that driving rock edge to it. Yeah. Um, but then immediately you follow it up with You Won't Change Me, 
And it also shows to me that they were clearly interested in exploring other hard rock styles like a power ballad type thing. Yeah. With this one, with like more organ in it, again, with something of a deep purple influence, I would imagine. Um, but I have to be honest, placing a ballad so early on in the album just derails all of the momentum that you'd built with track one. And then immediately following that up with the Bill Ward fronted, it's all right. That's like putting two ballads right next to each other I, on a hard I, rock I album. I actually really like that song, though. It's all right. I don't know that, why. I just really like that's it. That's the thing. I like I like the fact that uh, Bill Ward sings on some of these later yeah. tracks. It's kind of like it's kind of like when Ace or Peter sings a Kiss song. It's like I I like this. Or, He's or, not or the Ringo. lead guy. <laughs> Or Ringo, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's more the the way the album is sequenced for me. That's kind of a head scratcher. Do you think? Whereas, do you think that it, it was just like so much drugs and booze, and th- them <laughs> yeah. them living the rock star lifestyle to the point where the album was like secondary, and maybe it was just like. Tony, is this track list look good? Yeah, whatever. Like, do you think that yeah. maybe there was a whole <laughs> lot of just them not really? Because if you're not getting along, because it wasn't just Ozzy and yeah. them, I, I think there were. I, th- I think they were. You know, I think Bill Ward, if I if I remember right, I think they constantly fucked with him. Um, yeah, and and like it got. I think it got worse when Dio came on board because I think Dio started to fuck with him also. And so <laughs> I, it just seems like if you're in a band where you're just like, I don't really want to be here. Then how much how much you know energy are you going to put into things like sequencing and, <laughs> and stuff like that? Yeah, that's the thing. You, you got to think this is 1976. So at this point, they've been you know high as a kite now for quite some time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Christ, it, Volume Four was known for its cocaine use in 1972 so that's like four straight years of that (laughs) yeah yeah. um but yeah you got you got gypsy which brings the pace back up Mm -hmm. and all moving all moving parts stand still is a big ass groover yep uh rock and roll doctor is some more fun hard rock you know this is much more of a more hard rock album than their stoner metal that they became known for um she's gone is this nice strings and acoustic guitar ballad, but three ballads on an eight track album. Yeah. Like these guys were either super sensitive or just like you said, this, the sequencing of the track list didn't really come into, come into the, to the fold, but, but also I like, say, I think, I feel like a lot of times bands, they're influenced by also the music that they're listening to. And if you think about 1976, like there were other heavy bands, but that wasn't the prominent rock music that was around. True. So if they're, if they're hanging out with these other rock bands and listening to these guys that are doing softer stuff or poppier stuff or whatever you want to call it, it, it's going to rub off, I would think, eventually, where they, you know, plus if you're just making the same kind of shit over and over again, it gets harder to, like, figure out what to do. Like, well, we put keyboards on one. We, you know, we 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 had, you know, longer song links and went a little bit proggy with one. Like, what do we do now? Eh, let's just do some rock tunes, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> that that's kind of what they were thinking. I will say Dirty Women 
is the only track on here that I would actually say has metal riffs in it. Yeah. Like, I love the riff that comes in at around about, like, 1 minute 52. It's, that thing's just killer. But I'd say this album's issue is that it's not a very Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath album. So yeah. it's, like, it's not really what I come to them for. Um that that's that's what I think lets down these two bottom picks for me is that when I when I turn on a Black Sabbath album, there's kinda there's a certain darkness to it that I kind of want there. And yeah. these are very light albums. They've got rockers on them, don't get me wrong, but it's there's just a certain vibe that just isn't there yeah. on these two. Uh I although I will say I I have been this has this the process of going through all of these albums has inspired a few little video ideas over over on my end of the and on my channel so I'll I'll probably put some of them out soon. Nice. Uh yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's um Technical Ecstasy number 18. Cool. My my uh, my number 18 once again we're not going to match up here. <clears throat> my number 18 is um an album that I, I actually see people talk about this album being really good. And I think maybe it's a little bit of the, you know, kind of like the way I feel about St. Anger. Like people hate on it so much and I go, no, this is good. What do you, why? Why are you being so mean? And so, um, but I think in this case, if you're ranking it with all the things they've done, it it's a good album, but it is it is nowhere near as good as like the majority of their shit. Um, uh, my number 18 is born again from 1983. Um, and I feel like this is a placement that, you know, it's kind of pedestrian because I think a lot of people would probably put this album low just because it's a, it is a, it's kind of a mess (laughs) of an album. That's the, that's the thing though. I've, I've seen people, I mean, obviously people that like deep purple are going to like a Ian Gillen fronted black Sabbath. Yeah, but yeah, but, I, but Ian, but his his vocals are not that good on this album. Like, yeah, he doesn't. I don't think it out fits. of all of their singers, he's the worst. He's like, 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 like he, I mean, yes, he can sing better than Ozzy, but Ozzy has a character to his voice that only sounds like Ozzy. So, and this is the only album with Ian Gillen on vocals, and it's the last album with Bill Ward all the way back in 1983. That's the last yeah. Bill Ward album with him on drums. And really, like, with Born Again, my it's not just one particular thing I can point out because the album just seems very disjointed, first off. And the songs, for the most part, are not very interesting. And if you're talking about where an album fits in, they followed Mob Rules with this. Mob Rules, to me, yeah. is an amazing album. And then all of a sudden they have a, a, an album with a singer who doesn't sound as good as Dio, songs that aren't anywhere near as good as Mob Rules, and it's just pretty disappointing. And it really does seem like every everyone brought their D game on this album. They were just kind of like, <laughs> okay. And, it, I, and I don't know if it was a transitional thing where maybe the inspiration just wasn't there, because even lyrically the album is is pretty cringeworthy at times. Yeah. Um, and and my my so my biggest issue with this one is that every time I listen to it, 
I always, cause I, it, it's an album that I constantly go back to because I always look at it and go, one day this is going to click with me. I'm going to go listen to this again. <laughs> but every single time about halfway through the album, I always think to myself, is this, is this even Black Sabbath anymore? Because it's like, yeah. it sounds like a different band and it's a band that isn't anywhere near as good as Black Sabbath. Cause even, I mean, <laughs> the production's not that great. The performances aren't that great. The songs aren't oh, that God, great. Yeah. The the production we need we need to talk about the production. Everything is just mud. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. That it, it just everything feels like it's got a fucking blanket over it. Yeah, and it, it yeah. So so it's so really like in in the grand scheme of things, there, there's good things about this album, but unfortunately, ranking it with with this, all the other Sabbath stuff, I'm like, yeah, this one doesn't have enough going on to make me go, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little more fair to this album. I'm like, no, I think I'm being fair in saying it's not very good. Um, and that's really all there is to it. I feel like my, I don't need to put a lot more effort into it. Cause I don't really think that much effort went into making the album. So, <laughs> so it's uh, born again is my number 18. Cool. Well, that's a good segue. Cause my number 17 is born again. Sweet. Sweet. So- so not so much a matchup, but a little, but a little crossover. It's like a, a it's like a hand, like we're we're doing we're doing the track. What do you call it? Uh, re- relay running, where I hand you yeah, the baton and you take the, the baton and run. That's it. You know, oh, we yeah. know we know so sports you- things, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So so it's Ian Gillen time, uh, and it's probably also got one of the worst. Uh, hell, probably it has got one of the worst album covers in metal. <laughs> so I actually don't mind the album cover because the it, the the, yeah. the weirdness of it, I kind of go, I I kind of <laughs> dig that. But it is, you're right, it is. It's kind of like a huh kind of album cover. <laughs> it's it's pretty garish. I'll I'll give it that. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, opening up with trashed. Like this is a speed limit breaker. I'll give them that. They opened it well. Like at the time of writing this. I was on the fence about Ian Gillen's vocals. Yeah. And while I think he is a good singer for Deep Purple, I don't think he sounds good on, on this album. To be to be um, fair, now we'll we'll eventually we'll get to them, but I'm one of those people that I prefer David Coverdale in Deep Purple. I hey. I just I, I Burn is my favorite Deep Purple album, and I just think that dude is a way better vocalist. And once you get Glenn Hughes on board too, I mean, come on, come on, you know? <laughs> anyway, we're, we're not talking about Hell. Deep Purple. We'll, we'll get there, people. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, on the one hand, it, it, this album has the capacity to have a fun feel, but it's the production that really lets that down because it feels like it tried to strike a balance between fun hard rock and doomy doomy metal and it just doesn't do either one of them high enough yeah so it just kind of becomes this muddy thing of it like it feels very confused it's almost like it doesn't know what it wants to be um like stonehenge i couldn't stop thinking of spinal tap when yeah. i saw the, plus, the track list plus it's not even a song like it's the yeah, second it, track on the album is just a weird instrumental that's just called stonehenge and it just yeah there's no way these <laughs> days to not hear it without hearing in your head oh how they dance the little children of stonehenge <laughs> I, for one, do not think it was because the band was down. I think it was because there was a two-foot Stonehenge monument on stage. 
in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that scene. I just got to ask one question. Are we going to we going to do Stonehenge tonight? Of course we're not going <laughs> to fucking do Stonehenge tonight. Oh. <laughs> uh, I just got to mention as well, I love the sandwich scene in that movie where he's trying to explain to him that the meat oh, doesn't fit in the bread. Oh, you just keep folding it. <laughs> yeah, you just keep folding it. And like, then well, it breaks. Fold the meat. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes to the oh. olives. He's like, "This, there's a little guy in there. And this one, hello. <laughs> oh, just talk about, be a lot of people. Just talk about Spinal Tap the entire episode. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of listeners that go and watch that like right after this. Hell yeah, everybody go watch that. Um, so yeah, we got Disturbing the Priest, and it's pretty heavy. <laughs> just a funny <laughs> fucking name. <laughs> just winding him up, just like not even doing anything sinister. Just why, is like, it, hey. why isn't there a band called <laughs> yeah. that? That's, that's, that's a, that is a band name right there, Disturbing the Priest. I can't help but feel as though there's probably about like 70 doom bands called Disturbing the Priest. Oh, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's like... Nine times out of ten, you can pretty much bet if a Sabbath song exists, there's a doom band named after it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's a pretty heavy song. It it could have easily been a Tony Martin song and it would have fit better. I feel like the slower songs on this album would have sounded a lot better with someone like Tony Martin singing over it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then right after Disturbing the Priest, you get The Dark, which is essentially another intro for... Zero the Hero, which is a slow, sleazy, plodding groover. Now, I will say, probably the, the most speed metal songs on here, like Trashed and, and Digital Bitch, they fit the... <laughs> it's another great the, title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Like, it's not until you do, like, a little giggle that I realize how ridiculous some song titles actually are. And it's yeah. just kind of, like, mouth sounds until I realize it's, what they say. It, it's like an entire <laughs> album filled with songs that should be as good as their titles, but they're not as good as the titles are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, this one... I feel like if Tony Martin sang on this album, it might have been a different story. Yeah, maybe so. Um, like, uh, Born Again is this big epic ballad type thing. Hotline is badass. I wish they'd gone for a more upbeat thing through this album because mm-hmm. it's slow moments. Instead of coming across villainous and, and um, evil, they just come across mopey. Yeah. Um, keep It Warm, I mean, it was okay. The album suffers in the production department and i just don't think ian gillen was the uh, was a fit for sabbath um this is another one this is another album where like there's three awesome songs and the rest i can never hear again i'd be fine with it yeah yeah so that's my number 17 born again well, yeah. i feel kind of i feel kind of bad because i feel like i was kind of mean to that album but nah, it's all I, right we're gonna yeah. be we're gonna be nice <laughs> to plenty of albums um so my number 17 is the 1986 album seventh star okay. um which actually is you know on the album cover it's black sabbath featuring tony iomi and the album <laughs> cover is just a picture of tony iomi now I, I don't care how many explanations I've heard as to why that that is what it is. I, I'm always just like, who fucking agreed to that? Like, why? <laughs> who agreed to to putting it that way? Who agreed to the album cover? Because I mean, obviously Tony Iommi did, but man, 
I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was originally intended to be a, a Tony Iommi solo album. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I know that. Yeah. But if you're going to call it a Black Sabbath album, why do you have to put featuring Tony yeah. Iommi, who's already a dude that's in Black Sabbath? <laughs> I mean, that's like saying Metallica featuring Kirk Hammett. I'm like, well, he's already a member of Metallica. Yeah. Why do you need to call it that? And then on top of that, the album cover. It's literally a picture of Tony Tony Iommi looking bored. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, geez, they really like were just like, let's make sure this doesn't sell any copies at all. <laughs> and um, so this album has Glenn Hughes, who I mentioned earlier on vocals. Um, yep. An interesting lineup of musicians here because you have Eric Singer on drums who ended up playing yep. for Kiss. And then you got Dave Spitz on bass whose brother is Dan Spitz from Anthrax. So I'm like, yeah. that's, a, that's a cool little grouping of musicians. Now, I got to <laughs> say, though, that the production on this is way better than Born Again. Yeah. Um, and, but unfortunately, the songs are still not very interesting. They, they're, they're about as interesting as Tony Iommi looks on the album cover. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> It's, it does sound better, and all of the performances are good. That's the thing. Glenn Hughes sounds good. All the musicians sound good. The production is good. This is literally an album that's well done, but it's just weighed down by songs that just don't have enough going for them. And it's yeah. kind of unfortunate, but, I mean, to be honest, like if it was released as a Tony Iommi solo album, it probably would have been even more of a, of a disappointment than 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 putting Black Sabbath's name on it. I mean, anyway, it's just it's just a, it's a weird album that I still I still can't understand the choices that that are, were made on some of these albums that are lower down on my list. But at least this one sonically sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, and um and yeah, I mean, I Glenn Hughes is great. You know, I I no problem with it. I just wish that there were better songs on it. But um, that's really the, the biggest reason why it's at number seventeen is that you know it's 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 there there are several albums that they do where there'll be like a riff that's really cool or a, the beginning of a song that sounds like it's going to be cool and then it kind of just doesn't pay off like nothing really happens <laughs> in it and um, so yeah this album is just kind of like a man kind of album not awful just not that good and so it's my number seventeen seventh star. Cool. Uh, so my number 16 is 13. Hey! So th- this, like we said, it's it's the first album in 18 years. And God the final damn. album, yeah, like that was a big-ass gap. I thought I had it tricky with, you know, the gap between Death Magnetic and Hardwired, you know? Yeah. Let alone an extra 10 years on top of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's... The thing that I kind of gave this album is that it does kind of wrap things up in a very neat way where it's like it sees the band back with Ozzy returning to their doomy 70s style, albeit with Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine on drums. Yeah. And the thing about this album is that it is... It's pure Aussie purist fan service. 
there's no bold creative choices. It's just their 70s approach with modern production. So you would so I would say to those people, because we've said this about other bands, if you if you're a, a Sabbath fan where you just think the first six albums and then that's all I'm gonna listen to, I would not consider you a Black Sabbath fan. I would consider you an Ozzy Osbourne fan. Um yeah. and to be completely honest all the Aussie solo albums that happened prior to this album are way better than this album. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. I've, I've shit on this album enough. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some room <laughs> to say your piece. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, it, I've said the exact same thing as you. It's like, it's a end of the beginning. It's an opener that pays homage quote unquote uh, (laughs) that's using that word really really loosely (laughs) yeah i mean it's i've I've put homage to those 70s work specifically black sabbath from the album black sabbath by By the the band band black Black sabbath Sabbath. (laughs) yeah (laughs) inspired by the movie black sabbath um but yeah you get god is dead has which has a cool chorus riff in it um loner it just feels like Sabbath doing a damn fine job being Sabbath, albeit with a modern production sound. But it it that's disappointing. It's to be honest, in a way, I don't know how else they would have come back after eighteen years because if they came back with another Forbidden, then I I honestly don't know what would have happened. You, you get Zeitgeist, which is a planet caravan love letter with its placement, <laughs> you know, is a, it's a cool mellow song, but it, it's so obvious here that they've kind of like, it's almost like an AI made this. Yes. Where it was like, you, you put all of the early Sabbath records into a computer and it just learned black Sabbath how song to, generator. Yeah. It, legit. That's how it comes <laughs> off. On, on Which this you could say that that's every doom band. Not everyone. I'm going <laughs> to, Say ninety eight percent of doom metal bands are Black Sabbath song generator. I see. I don't know how it is over there in England, but here, especially, not you know. I'm in Houston now, but I li- used to live in Austin, and in Austin, the only metal scene that exists really is dudes that are in doom metal bands and things like that, or stoner metal bands, which are both you know Sabbath related. But they. Yeah. They all are dudes that you know don't really listen to anything heavy, but they listen to <laughs> Sabbath. Because like that's the thing is, if anyone ever comes to me and says, "Yeah, I'm really into Black Sabbath," I'd be like, I, I'm, "I'll start tapping my watch and be like, and, and? like you know, like I don't know, you're you're <laughs> telling me nothing. That's like coming to me and saying, "Yeah, the Beatles, am I right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many people that I know, I know in their spare time, they're, they're probably listening to country music or something completely not related to metal. And so the <laughs> only thing they have to go off of with metal is particular Sabbath albums that have been approved <laughs> by the hipster metal crew. And so they just take those ideas and then put them into songs. And now there's so many of those bands 
that it's just like with like metalcore or anything else where you you can listen to two different bands back to back and be like i don't even i is this the same band and what who's i don't understand and this it's another combination of the word like acid and um and king <laughs> or witch vomit there actually is a band called witch vomit but they're death metal i think but um you know what i'm saying like it's just <laughs> it's just this weird it literally is a band generator like what are we gonna do I want to be in a stoner doom band. Cool. Hit, hit enter on the machine and it will create one for us. And that's, <laughs> that's what so many bands in Austin were like. And I got so fucking sick of it that now I'm just like, you, you say, if you say you're in a doom metal or stoner metal band, I'm just going to be like, look, I got to be honest with you. I don't want to see your band. I don't want to hear your band. <laughs> you seem like a nice dude, but I'm out. <laughs> Rant over. I'd say I I like Doom a little bit more than you, but I get the saturation. It can be it can be a it can be quite depressing the yeah. amount of ones that do try to just do Sabbath worship and ne- never really evolve out of that. Um, one Doom band I do like though is is Mono Lord. So oh Mono yeah, Lord, well that's a that's a British uh, Doom metal band. Yeah, um, they, those, they've got a yeah. They've got one called uh, Empress Rising. That's mm-hmm. a cool fucking. There, there's a handful of those bands that put out at least a album that I go, ah, that's pretty cool. But but there are always albums that I really enjoy, and then I later on down the line I never go back to listen to them again. But I'll look at it and go, <laughs> I remember really liking that one. Yeah. A- again, like everybody's ears are wired differently. You you like what you like. There's one. There's another but- one I think from England that's called. I think they're called Conan. Um, and, yeah. uh, they have some pretty cool shit too. But once again, like they had an album that I thought was cool. And then another one where I went, this is really too much of the same, but, uh, thanks for <laughs> entertaining me for a little bit. Cool. So, uh, what, where, where was I? Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I get passionate um, at times folks. <laughs> and that's okay. Well, I think we had just talked We've- about Zeitgeist or something like that. That that's the one. Right, we're we're at Age of Reason. It's more Sabbath doing Sabbath. Live Forever's got a fun groove to it. Damaged Soul, like you said, it does have some cool stuff in it. Yeah. Um, Dear Father, now this song has a cool riff too, but I want to draw attention to the last 40 seconds of the album that finishes it Mm -hmm. with the same tolling bell and torrential rainfall that opened the debut. I think that's cool, but... yeah. That, think, that's that's a very poetic way to close things out. I would agree. If the songs were better and that's how the album ended, I it would be like chills, you know, hearing that. Yeah, but it, it it's kind of like um, I I don't I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry, but, <laughs> sorry. It, it's okay. No, I was, I was just gonna say, um, I think had this album been an amalgamation of everything. Mm-hmm. So say. See, you did have like seventies riffs, but maybe take the atmosphere of like Tear and put that over the top of it. Yeah, because they those albums have distinctly different sounds and different eras, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I just feel as though if you had like um like a cool synth over the top of one of these riffs, it would like it would totally lift it to a different zone. But that's the thing about this album; it does it's not a brave album. There's no bold choices. It's just them doing what they knew how to do during their quote unquote glory days. And it's, and it is kind of sad 
that this album didn't have more to it than the initial, oh, <laughs> this sounds like the 70s stuff, dude. Cool. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is my number 16. 13. Awesome. Um, so my, we're, we're heading back to the eighties for, for my number 16. Um, my number 16. What are you about to do? I'm not, no, I'm not going to, no, no, nothing like that. Um, my number 16 is the 1987 album, the eternal idol. Um, which is this the first one with Tony Martin? I believe. Yes. Um, yeah, it's the first Tony Martin album, which I'm going to say something that maybe, this is not super unpopular, but it might be a little bit jarring for some people out there. I think when it comes to the best Black Sabbath vocalists, I think Tony Martin is literally neck and neck with Dio, like yep, vocal wise, like yeah. both amazing singers. Yep. And that's the big thing with Eternal Idol is that all of a sudden they get Tony Martin on board and that dude has some fucking pipes on him. And, I um, think range. I think range-wise, if you were to look at it at an objective level, I think of all the singers, I think uh, Tony Martin probably has the highest octave yeah, range. Yeah, yeah, I you can know, see that. Um, Dio has his his signature grit on his side, but yeah. I, I think, yeah, yeah, Tony Martin's killer. Yeah, and um, and really, my biggest gripe about this album is I don't like the production because it's like really treble heavy. It's like. Yeah. It's yeah. there's very little low end there, and it and, it, and I mean with a band like Sabbath, I mean you you the low end's kind of important, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's like the whole point of the band. <laughs> yeah, but also with this one, like to me, the songs are, are a major improvement. The actual songs themselves, if you're going from Born Again to Seven Star, and then this one, like I I just think there's a lot more cool moments on this album. Um, a, a thing that kind of takes away from it for me, but I think is probably a, a benefit on your side is that there's a little bit of 80s cheese ball shit going on in some of the songs and vocals. <laughs> um, it's got a lot of cool riffs, but it does sound very 80s. But then again, it was in the 80s, so I don't know what I'm expecting. But um, <laughs> overall, it's a really solid album, but it's just one of those... Like, I, I went through... And when I was listening to these, I know the Aussie albums and the and the first two Dio albums really well. So I actually went through starting with Born Again and listened to all of them all the way through in order. And you get to the Eternal Idol and I'm just like, yeah, this is they they got their shit together here. Like there was a little bit of, you know, not, you know, uncertainty and a little bit wobbliness with the with the songs and the production and just overall presentation. But then all of a sudden, I, I feel like they just kind of came together again with uh, with a pretty cool lineup and and some cool shit. It's not not my favorite, but obviously it's number sixteen, but um, still a good <laughs> album. So that's that's the Eternal Idol. Cool. So uh, my number fifteen. Mm-hmm. I feel like is... we're blowing through these, aren't we? Yeah, I have to I mean, I have I mean... to derail us a lot more with more rants. <laughs> Or I'll do, or I'll do Ozzy. We'll do Ozzy impressions or things. We're not even talking about Ozzy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you can whip out some fucking Tony Martin vocals, that'd be sick. Oh, fuck no, man. <laughs> I, 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 have no, I can't even sing as good as Ozzy. I have not, <laughs> not even. I have no, no range at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So my number fifteen is forbidden. 
Oh, that's that's yeah. really low for this one, in my opinion. <laughs> well, he, here's the thing, right? It's a lot higher than where everybody else puts it because which where, I don't like, get that ev- at all. But I, I guess it, maybe, yeah. it, maybe it's the album cover because it's kind of cheesy. But I don't know. I think now, hear me out. I think people wrote this album off solely for the 15 seconds that Ice-T appears on the first track, right? I, the, I like that. <laughs> like, I, I do too, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Body Count. But, like, the thing is, everywhere I've looked, I always like to scan other people's lists. Yeah. Just to... To understand the fan base is a lot, a lot closer, you know, so mm-hmm. that I go in with as much knowledge as possible and maybe look at something from an angle that I maybe had neglected. Totally. Everywhere, everywhere I've looked, people do not like this album. It is almost always at the bottom, at least bottom two. And, so, and this one, and this was 96, right? Is that when that came out? 1996? 95. 90, yeah, 95. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm going to give this a fair shot because I'm not one of these boomer ass Sabbath fans that don't want a rapper anywhere near their beloved band. I really like body count and I was optimistic about it being produced by Ernie C body counts guitarist. Unfortunately, the the biggest problem with this album for me is the production I, because I the snare drum totally agree. The snare drums snare drums too fucking loud. It, it makes listening to the whole mix on headphones upsetting because it's like <laughs> I want to I want to hear the whole mix but like headphones on it's impossible because the moment you get up to a loud enough thing to appreciate the guitars the fucking snare drum is stabbing you in the ear so it's <laughs> like that was the biggest obstacle for me but yeah listening listening to it through speakers however you know it was it was more palatable um so opening up Illusion of Power is a big, doomy, villainous track with a cool vibe over the top of it with those clean guitars. And the Ice-T feature, like, it didn't piss me off. Like, did it need to be there? I mean, it, it wasn't essential, but at least it's interesting. Um, get a Grip is a fun, heavy riffer. Can't get close enough. You know, I will say, <laughs> the biggest timestamp of this album of when it came out can't get close enough has uh what i would refer to as the 90s limp biscuit delay on the vocals uh, yeah <laughs> like like tony martin's voice like it made me do a little bit of a chuckle because i could not shake the image of him in a red cap out of my head during this song <laughs> solely based on the vocal delay that yeah. they used um but once it kicked in it was a solid tune you know shaking off the chains uh, which is funny because it's in 7-8 time, very Alice in Chains. Yeah, yeah. Um, this song then takes off as something I feel as though like Megadeth could have done in, in the riffs. Uh, I Won't Cry For You. This song is a pretty solid ballad. I have... I, I wrote here in my notes, I have to ask a serious question here. Do I have bad taste? Because I do not get the hate for this album. <laughs> Um, I, I don't like, I, yeah I, I don't understand it either I I just I but we've we've talked about those albums that it becomes like a, a, a group think opinion so it's yep. it's built in already 
So you start listening, you get into a band, you start reading things, and it's almost like it just snowballs and snowballs with all these people are saying, well, yeah, they all these people don't like this album, I don't like it either. And then it just becomes this thing where everyone feels like, oh, I'm supposed to feel this way about this album. And honestly, that's my problem with most music fans is that you don't, people seem to not have the ability to listen to things on a clean slate. You know, yeah. like just for for what it is what do you think of this but it's there's always so many factors that go into it like like especially when you have critics and these days bloggers and whatnot um that just throw out their fuckers opinions. like us <laughs> i mean you, yeah we're, we're part of the problem eddie but um but i feel we're a we're little vi- we're vigilantes we're a little more fair than most because i yeah the difference is is that we don't ever come out and be like Look, we're we know what we're talking about here. We're <laughs> professionals, you know. Um, that, that's that, that's not us. We're just we're just fans who like to Mid-90s talk. Nineties equals bad. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, like, yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess maybe yeah. it is maybe it is the the time period too. It just because I mean the al- the the album for the most part yeah. doesn't sound very nineteen ninety five. There are things about yeah. it that do. But overall, you know, it, it, it's still Sabbath kind of doing what they do. And honestly, this is the last one before 13, right? Yep. Like, yeah, like they, they, they left off on this album and then didn't do shit. I mean, you could say they did the heaven and hell thing, but um, that's it. But it's it's nowhere near as horrendously bad as people have made it out to be. That's the thing. Like, no, the most the most polarizing thing about this album is literally Ice T appearing for twenty seconds on track one. I don't trust um, anybody that doesn't like Ice T, honestly. Yeah, six in the morning, police at my door. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this album. You know, you got guilty as hell. This album came out in 95, and I'm already halfway through, around 20, 22 minutes in. At least this quote-unquote bad mid-90s album doesn't outstay its welcome by an extra half hour like most of the CD-era <laughs> albums from this time do. Like, that's the thing. It, it It's one of those... I mean, I suppose if you are stacking it to their classic material... And the the circumstances of it coming out, but even even saying that this is not bad, no. and it it's not overly long, which is probably the most common thing that lets down '90s records is just the ridiculous runtime of some of them. Yeah, um, you got "Sick and Tired," which is a groovy track. "Rusty Angels" is a vibey one. "Forbidden" is an awesome song, and Kiss of Death. I I genuinely don't get the hate. Maybe it's just not as memorable, and the snare's a bit loud if you got headphones on. But I think the biggest thing that hurt the album is the production. Like that's the only thing I can think you of. You don't think that, the, you don't think the album cover is part of the problem? <laughs> it is. I I it's it's probably up there with the worst <laughs> Black Sabbath album cover because it's so just like oh you're a metal <laughs> band here's a painting of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I will say that is probably like the mo- one of the most on the nose album covers they've <laughs> yeah. got. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this album deserves the hate. Is it as good as the ones above it? It not for me personally, but this is the point at which 
things take a significant jump from generic to quite enjoyable for me. Yeah. So yeah, that that's yeah. We're we're getting we're already getting to good good shit. I mean, hell, there's good shit on my bottom pick. So yeah, let's keep this keep this train rolling. Sweet. So on to my number fifteen. Um, uh, you, you already talked about this one, so I'll be kind of brief. My number fifteen is Technical Ecstasy from nineteen seventy six. Cool. Um, which is the second to last Ozzy album in the seventies. This album's kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> it's got some awful lyrics on it. Um, it's got it. it part, some of it feels to me like they were trying to branch out a little bit, but they were kind of unsure of themselves to actually like go for it. And so there's a lot of like almost doing something kind of cool and different, but it's doesn't quite pan out. Um, a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of like almost good songs. It's kind of an awkward listen. Um, so, I mean, when it's, when it comes to the seventies output of, of uh Sabbath with Ozzy, this is the one that like, I I'm kind of like, I don't really want to listen to this album. It's like, it's <laughs> um, the, the, the only thing that it's really got going for it for me is that it's still got that seventies Ozzy era vibe. And I enjoy just the vibe alone. Yeah. So, you know, you're listening to that seventies era Sabbath, no matter what album it is, they all have that quality that just feels like the seventies. And I just kind of enjoy that. I just think the songs on here are just kind of not, not amazing. Um, and that's really, that's really it. I don't have my, you've said a lot of the things <laughs> that I feel about this album. Um, but I just think that overall it's just not very well put together. And we talked about that as well. I'm just rehashing things we've already said. So um, I'll, I'll quickly toss it back over to you because that was that was my number 15 with Technical Ecstasy. I'd probably add just really quick. It, it's the first album where you can audibly hear the cracks beginning to appear. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the first that feels pretty uncoordinated. So, uh, Also, yeah. yeah, I mean, just if I, you know, if you compare albums... The album previous to this yeah. is fucking killer. Stella. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so so yeah, it is it, it it there is a big drop that happens, but yeah. All right, let's move on to your number 14. Cool. So my number 14 is The Eternal Idol. All right. Cool. So at this point over the span of six studio albums, Black Sabbath were on their fourth singer to appear on a record who isn't Aussie. Yeah. And like that's that's f- fucking four albums in a row. That is that is something. Um so you get The Shining, uh, which is a majestic opening track which introduces the listener to who I believe to be one of the most underrated singers in rock history with Tony yeah. Martin. Yeah. Um Ancient Warrior, the riffage here is deliciously evil though I will say that these tracks could maybe have been a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard Life to Love shifts the tempo up to some driving rock and roll kind of stuff. Um, Glory Ride, like Tony Martin sounds phenomenal on this song. His vocals blew me away here. Um, Born to Lose, cool song, but it's at this point, I must confess one thing that I think this l- let this album down a lot. And I've I've dubbed it 
treble fatigue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where for sure. there there is so much high end and absence of low frequencies on this album that the drums get so piercing about halfway in it it becomes oppressive almost where it's like my fucking snare drum is gonna rip your fucking <laughs> ear out and it's like it's like i, I don't want that stop <laughs> nobody um, wants that yeah that's the wrong thing to be this loud um <laughs> So yeah, I've, I found myself listening to the album pretty quietly at one point because after a while it actually got pretty painful. Yeah. Um, if the guitars were louder and the snare was quieter, I think it would be so much more enjoyable to listen to. Uh, Nightmare is a cool song. Scarlet Pimpernel is a mystical interlude. Lost Forever. Lost Forever. Now that's a riff mm-hmm. right there. Um, and finally you get... Um, eternal idol which is the big doomy one to go out on now i've read things about this album being something of a false start for tony martin and while i think that album deserves more credit than a false start i Mm. i do think that tony martin really came into his own on headless cross which would come out just two years later with way better production yeah but yeah i i agree this this album suffers from the unfortunate treble fatigue and uh, depending on what setup you've got it can be pretty fucking miserable about halfway through to have so much high end (laughs) to be completely honest like this this might give a little bit of way when i of talking about like where i place albums but i think that every single black sabbath vocalist that got to do more than one album their second album is better than the first album yep like like paranoid to me is better than black sabbath yep mob rules to me is better than heaven and hell and then headless cross is better than eternal idol like it's just it just seems like all the singers like they they they, they're good but then i think something happens where everything clicks after an album so I, I I absolutely agree, but yeah, it's probably touring together that did it. Like maybe they, yeah, they get more of an idea of of each other as performers rather than just going into a studio and recording something. But but yeah, Eternal Idol. That's the thing. If this album didn't have uh, a ridiculously high emphasis on treble, <laughs> then this could have been a lot higher. But it, it's just an unfortunate. It's it's a casualty of its production. Number yeah. fourteen, Eternal Idol. Sweet. So uh, my number fourteen. We're heading back to the seventies for an album that you already talked about. The nineteen seventy eight album Never Say Die is my number fourteen. Okay. Um, and like I said, you know, like I said before, with technical es- ecstasy. I don't know why ec- ecstasy. It's just a hard a technical ecstasy. It's really hard <laughs> to say. Anyway, um, I, I echo a lot of the things that Eddie already said. Um, I really think that Never Say Die starts out with like a really great energy and then it quickly just falls off. And um, honestly, like the, the, the album, the album's failure is not Ozzy's fault. Cause I think Ozzy sounds good. Like honestly, yeah. Ozzy became a really good singer. Like the first few albums, he's kind of, ah, but uh, he, there's a, there's a point, maybe it's around Sabbath, bloody Sabbath where all of a sudden he like, really hits like a spot where he just controls his voice really well Mm. and sounds really good. Um, But here, 
Ozzy sounds great. The riffs in the songs overall are just kind of bland. Um, and it's not a bad album. It's just not a great album. And once again, it's like listening to this album on its own, there's a lot of things that I enjoy about it. But having to rank it or having to say, well, in their discography, how does this go? Sure, it's an improvement over Technical Ecstasy, but still, it's not as good as all of the previous albums that they had done. Yeah. But the, the one thing that I always think, because I know that obviously we have the hindsight of history to, you know, to, to give us, you know, to color our, our opinions and object or what what's the word I'm looking for? Um, our whatever, our viewpoints are on <laughs> albums. I don't know words. Um, but really listening to never say die. Like you just, I just can feel it that the band and Ozzy just both need some new blood. They both needed yeah. to get away from each other. And clearly they did because you listen to Blizzard of Oz and Heaven and Hell and it's just like, yeah, they they <laughs> literally, they both put out great shit. So clearly it was like, uh, for, for fans of music, we, we win, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. and I guess, I guess they win too because they, they, they put out stuff that people dig. Um, and I already talked about how cool I think Breakout is. I just, I just think it sounds fucking cool. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of the things that he said, I agree. Um, it's a good album. And once again, it does have that seventies Aussie vibe. Um, and so I enjoy that aspect of it. Um, but it's not, it's not great. It's, uh, and that's why it's my number 14. Never say die. <laughs> cool. So we're down to our last 13 our la- last album of this episode folks so that's uh hot damn let's Um, do it cool so my number 13 my top of the bottom is seventh star okay cool black sabbath featuring tony iomi and glenn hughes (laughs) (laughs) well they should they should have they should have put that on the cover too (laughs) they should no they should have put featuring everyone but tony iomi on the cover so (laughs) um so yeah, I enjoy the '80s hard rock vibe on this one. Yeah, and I, I feel had a feeling. like I was going to say you likely <laughs> anticipated that from me. <laughs> um, like "In for the Kill" is full on traditional '80s Dungeons and Dragons metal. Like it's like super traditional metal. Mm-hmm. Um, "No Stranger to Love" is a full on '80s power ballad. Um, "Turn to Stone." It's more standard 80s metal fare. Uh, Sphinx is a cool synth interlude. Uh, seventh, seventh Star, the title track, is a plodding, majestic track. Uh, Danger Zone, not to be confused with Kenny Loggins' Top Gun <laughs> banger that came out the same year, uh, is also awesome. Uh, I found myself really enjoying this album. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just love over-the-top 80s hard rock, and this delivers, man. Heart, heart like a wheel, all right song. Angry heart sounds like a fusion of Deep Purple and Lick It Up Ear a Kiss. <laughs> and um, in memory is this like melancholy ballad to close out on. This to me is just a good mid eighties heavy metal album. Like mm-hmm. it, it probably it wouldn't stand out against anything else that came out in 1986 but if i wanted something that just sounded like completely pure 80s metal then this is this is one of the ones you know 
yeah. it, there's just a cool there's just a cool 80s vibe to it it's it's probably it's probably the most 80s album they did yeah yeah i mean really that goes a long way because i said the same thing about the 70s album having a particular vibe that i enjoy and i i when it when that's a that's an interesting thing about music because sometimes there's you know you could point out things that are specific about yeah. music like the songwriting the performances the production whatever but there's all there's always that added thing of the vibe like sometimes yeah. a good vibe if that's what you're wanting can really like elevate an album that otherwise is not amazing and so like i totally get that i get like you know if you like that 80s sound the 80s metal sound like yeah this album's great you know and so it's um it is that it's a benefit of of this particular album yeah um it's also i think is this the shortest album in the catalog or is that master of reality mm, it's it's one I, of them they're they're I, both I, pretty short but yeah i'm pretty sure yeah this one's only like 34 minutes long which is which is cool as well it's a short and sweet record yeah 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 i have no that's the thing i have no problem with short albums that's the if you if you can make an album that's so good and it's only 30 minutes long and I immediately want to listen to it again, like that's actually better than giving me an hour's worth of kind of okay material. Because you can kind of get two for the price of one in that regard. Because if it's that good, you want to listen to it again. You've essentially like doubled your listening time with the same yep. stuff. Yeah. Take note. Take note, people. Less yeah, is make, more. <laughs> make, make shorter albums, whittle things down to your best and strongest material. You don't have to put everything out just because you wrote all the songs just be a little you know be be good editors <laughs> refine right. refine the filler and put it out as the next good album <laughs> i really i really do think that that's where the role of the producer an actual producer yeah is re- is important because sometimes especially when a band is a few albums in, or in this case, several, several, several albums in, depending on where you're, what you're talking about. Sometimes a producer can be the one, the outside ears that just goes, yeah, you don't need this. You do, you yeah. know, this is just, you know, cause as much as it's, I feel it's important for the band to, to approve of what they're putting out. There's, I just feel like that's a, that's a, an important part of, a, of a, an actual producer's job of saying like, yeah, if you if you cut this down to eight tracks and it's forty two minutes long, it is going to blow everybody away. You know. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's another another mini rant for you. Before we get to the <laughs> last album, we're going to talk about. So we mentioned this album briefly. Um, Eddie did not talk about this one though. Um, and honestly, this is the first one where we've gone through albums where like I have things I could point out as being weak points. That pretty much ends with this album. Like, I think from here on out, it's going to be me nitpicking in order to kind of explain where I placed things. Um, my number 13 is the 1989 album Headless Cross. Oh. Um, the second album with Tony Martin on vocal, right? Second? Yes. Um, this album's great. Like, it's a step up from the Eternal Idol, even especially production-wise. Um, but everyone involved sounds really great. It's got a really great energy. This was actually the first um, 
actual Black Sabbath album I owned because I owned We Sold Our Soul for Rock and Roll. And then I was at a record store in the cutout in the cutout bin. They had Headless Cross. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to get this. Not knowing that it was even a different vocalist. Yeah. And I very quickly as a you know young teenager, I was like, this is pretty damn good. Doesn't really sound that much <laughs> like the older Sabbath, but this is still pretty cool. <laughs> and um, and I still feel that that same way today. It's a it's a has a lot of great songs. Um, really, like the only like the 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 problem that some of these albums run into is the fact that they're competing with Mob Rules and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath and albums like that. Like it's yeah. like how does that? How do you do that? You don't. It's you're gonna lose most of the time. <laughs> and so while I think this one is great. Um, it's obviously, I wouldn't call it necessarily a classic because I really do think that the Tony Martin era gets better after this album. Um, even though this is really great, it's a really, really strong album. Um, and, um, and it's still, it still has an eighties vibe to it, but yeah, I wouldn't call it a cheesy eighties vibe. Um, it's, it's more sophisticated for sure. Yeah. And, it, and, and like, like I said before, it was the fucking 80s, so of course that's how it sounds. <laughs> but I just think that this one is like a really strong album. Like it's one that I just think is really solid. And I don't have any I, – I don't have anything bad to say about this one ex- except for, you know, I had to – I had to place things somewhere <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and this one ended up at number 13. I don't really, I mean, it's like one of those things where like, I, I enjoy this album a lot and, uh, that's all there is to it. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it's really, uh, so, I mean, honestly, like from here on out, it's going to be me kind of saying, I really like this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually me getting to, you know, this album blows my mind, which we'll, we'll get to that as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to to say about Headless Cross. Obviously, we'll talk about this one later for you. But um, I was I was gonna say I think we have a we may have a painkiller on our hands here. Oh, I see. I see yeah. what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. Message received <laughs> for those who listen to the Judas Priest. That was also a three parter, wasn't it? A three parter. Yep. We've done we've done three three parters, if I remember right. Kiss. And that, yeah, Kiss was the other one. Well, th- this is the this is the third three part we're doing now. Yeah, yeah. Well, which I mean, an, a, a discography like this deserves uh, the time that we're giving it for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's weird, you know, talking about this band because I feel like so many people have already talked about this band. <laughs> And I really hope that we're bringing something new to the table. Like, you know, you guys who are listening, you you let us know. The peanut butter platypuses out there, you uh, let us know. Because it's that's the one thing with talking about some bands. Because some people will, will request that we talk about certain bands. And all I can think is that we, I don't... Some bands I go, I don't think we can bring anything interesting to the conversation about this band. You know, <laughs> some Some bands... Whereas, so with Sabbath, like, you know, we have to talk about them because we wouldn't be here talking about any music probably if it wasn't for Black Sabbath. I mean, maybe Deep Purple would have been that band, although they, they didn't really, they didn't really have the influence on metal, even though they were important, um, that Sabbath did. So I really do think that like, 
that's the you thing. Don't... Like you've you've got your you've got your Led Zeppelins and you've got your Deep yeah. Purples, but they they didn't really have the darkness to them that Sabbath brought. It uh, it yeah. was it was mainly about being loud and having a fucking party. Really, it was almost yeah. like it was almost like hair metal before hair metal was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do feel like with certain types of metal, like when I listen to Iron Maiden, if I was going to draw a line, I feel like it goes more to Deep Purple than it goes to Sabbath for me, for, for a band like Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, which that's also a very important band. But I really don't, I really don't think that, I mean, I can't imagine a world where, you know, Black Sabbath didn't, like what, like what if their first couple albums just totally flopped and then they broke up? Like, what would music be like now? Like, would yeah. would metal still have happened? Is it is it the kind of thing that's destined to happen? And some band would have sparked the beginning of this music? Because I'm obviously the Sparks. If you really want to like go back to it, like I, I always say that to me, the music that I love, the heavy music I love, because obviously I love I love some pop music and I love some basic rock music and stuff like that. But I believe to me, like the spark that I think led to heavier things with riffs um, always to me leads back to uh, you really got me by the kinks. Yeah. Like I, like I feel like that song is the earliest one I can think of where I put it on and I go, yeah, that's a fucking riff, man. <laughs> and you know, I mean the Beatles had some riffs here and there, but none, none that were like that. And so um, you could say that maybe that, maybe that's all that we needed. Maybe we would still be here and heavy metal would still exist but it just maybe be a, in a different form slightly. It's very interesting to me that the the topic of proto metal, like you know, yeah. all of all of the other bands doing heavy stuff around the same time as Sabbath. You know, you got like blue, blue, blue cheer, cheer, yeah, Jinx, blue, <laughs> yeah, blue cheer is, is. I feel like that's the thing. Sonic, sonically, they're probably the closest to Sabbath. Yeah. That that you'll find around that time, or at least one of the closest. Um, but for a, a lot of the rest of this stuff, I mean, you've got, you've got Hendrix doing some pretty heavy riffs, but they were still, yeah. they were still rooted in the blues. I, as the heaviest thing Led Zeppelin probably did at the time was dazed and confused like that could have easily. That's, well, that's, I mean, that's album number one. They got that yeah. something heavy on album number one. They did. I mean, they honestly, there's some, I, I'm not the biggest Zeppelin fan in the world, but like, there's random songs on on certain albums. Like Houses of the Holy has a whole lot of good shit on it. Yeah. Um, that and and so like I, I I hear how they they fit into the puzzle as well, obviously. But um, so maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe you know because because wait so when so when Led Zeppelin was like they their first album was like '67 or something like uh, that. I think the first the first two Led Zeppelin albums were sixty nine. Okay, that's what that's what she 69. said. Sixty nine. These nuts. So that was a I was wow. So that really is around the same time as Sabbath. So maybe if there was no Sabbath, it, it still Zeppelin still would have made young people want to write some loud, heavy music because you know they did their share of it. Yeah, um, that that'll be an interesting discography to get into at some point is is Zeppelin because I have a I have a like a love hate relationship with some of their stuff. <laughs> it's you know some of it is some of it's great and some of it I think is pretty awful. But you know, do you, 
Do you think if John Bonham hadn't died, they would have gone hair metal in the 80s? Um. Because that's something that's kind of always played on my mind. Because there's a lot of... There are quite a few front men in the glam thing that wanted to be Robert Plant. They they would yeah. dress like a slightly more made-up Robert Plant. <laughs> what was was his death the reason they broke up, or had they already broken up? I don't. I'm not. I don't know the timeline for his death. As as far as I know, I mean, I, I I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it was his. I think I'm pretty sure it was John Bonham's death. I feel like they would have broken up either way, but if they had kept going, I think that they would have. There would have been '80s qualities to their stuff. I don't know if they would have gone full hair, but I mean, if you look at the the solo stuff that Robert Plant did, and then the solo stuff that um, Jimmy Page did, like yeah. there was an element of '80s glamminess to some of it. So I I think that they I I feel like they would have they may have gone as far into it as like Aerosmith did because Aerosmith still just seemed like Aerosmith in the '80s. They just had a glossier production and um, catchier like poppier songs. So yeah. maybe that would maybe that would have been what happened. With them, I've done a so. l- little bit of on the fly research. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was John Bonham, the the death, yeah, death okay. of John Bonham that caused the breakup. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's well. Obviously, we'll talk about them on in in the future when we get to them. Yeah, because we're we're still yeah. talking about Black Sabbath, where Black um, Sabbath, baby. Where at this <laughs> at this point, everyone, all the original members of Black Sabbath are still alive. So that's um, that's something. I mean, um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see because you know, hopefully that's still the case when this comes out. I don't yeah, want to have like no, no, we're not. I don't. We're not going to jinx things. I don't think we have that power. Um, if we did have that power, there, I would be using it to get rid of some really awful people in this world. <laughs> not anybody in Black Sabbath. But, Zap, um, bye. Yeah, (laughs) but I really do. It's interesting because like I I thought for sure that Black Sabbath would call it quits. And then a couple years later, you'd have like a reunion gig. But that's it hasn't happened. So um, I feel like, you know, maybe they're that they're that band that that says it's over. And it truly is because, you know, you want to know the biggest thing that pissed me off about the breakup, though. What? They didn't wait one year they had one last year to close it out on 50 years and they ended at 49 49 years yeah just comp- a, a multiple of five please <laughs> yeah <laughs> just schedule one gig for the next year just so you yeah. can you can round it out nicely <laughs> Uh, but then it would be like 50, then it would be like 54. We need to wait until it's like, yeah. Wait, when did they, when did they close it off? Oh, hang on. I don't know. It was just a few years ago, right? It was like four four or five years, it was like five years ago, I think. This this ain't a math podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why we're trying to do anything with dates and numbers. It's, (laughs) screw that. We can, I can hardly keep track of the order that we're doing albums in sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right. So this Wait, became what band are we talking a, about? Yeah, this this became more of just a discussion between me and Eddie, and not really a podcast anymore. <laughs> um, 
But so, yeah, as usual, thank you all for listening. Those of you who, who lasted this long, um, those who already tuned out, you, you guys just go tell them that we said thank you. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this on uh, YouTube, um, you know, put your thoughts in the comments below. And like I always say, please go um, subscribe to Eddie Sparks's channel on YouTube. Um, and yeah, that's cheers. That's, <laughs> that's all we got. Any parting words before we wrap this episode up? Uh, well, well the drugs seem like good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That, I'll wrap it up by saying my favorite, my favorite, probably my favorite Aussie line. It's um, on the on the VHS. Don't blame me. They're going through the section of the story where they're talking about him, the the going to court over suicide solution. Yeah. Um. You know, and the kids, the kid killing himself or whatever, and the the guy that I, I guess the prosecutor is the one talking, but he's it's like in an interview. And he says that uh, says what they're doing is they're they're putting these hidden messages in there using a uh, a technique called hemisync, and then it <laughs> and then it switches to Ozzy Osbourne and he goes, "Does this guy think I'm a bloody scientist or a rock star? I mean, the only <laughs> sink I've ever heard of is the one you wash your fucking face in in the morning." <laughs> <laughs> He's got away with words, man. <laughs> I, know, I always love that line because it's just like, what the fuck is hemisync? I've never heard that. I've never heard that anywhere else than that dude's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> putting putting uh, fucking secret messages in albums, which eventually led to people actually putting hidden messages in yeah. albums. It's like, I just love how like the PMRC, they ended up making bands more successful because of what they were doing. It's just like, look, just leave the shit alone, okay? Because all you're doing is... Making the problems bigger <laughs> and making things better, really, because you know, yeah. All right, the well, problems that's the, they think are problems aren't actually real. <laughs> that's that's absolutely true. All right, cool. Well, that's this has been a fun episode and a good start. Um, next time you guys hear from us, we will be smack dab in the middle of the Black Sabbath discography and um, getting into, in my opinion, some absolute classics. And um, so, yeah, thank you for listening and we will see you next time. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Edward James Sparks Esquire. I don't know why. I just keep adding things to your name every time <laughs> I say it um, to take us out. Uh, later, dude.